this is Mother's Day, so all of these people that I just mentioned are, are special on Mother's Day. All of these events actually are significant to Mother's Day. And we love you moms. You guys, uh, you ladies mean so much to the church and to your families. You add, you add, uh, you add so much. And um, as Jared mentioned already, we, we couldn't do, and Ron mentioned as well, we couldn't do what we do without you. Um, whether it be the church or family or whatever, your um, participation in it, your, your role in it is, it's not even, it's not even, we can't even, it can't even be described really, the extent of how you affect your families and how you affect the church. And um, I've often said it's a, it's a role that's, that's often overlooked, uh, but it ought not to be. It's something that we should celebrate, and uh, our wives and our mothers should be celebrated on a regular basis. They need to know how, how special they are to us, how special they are to the church, how special they are to the Lord. Now, let me say this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk this morning. My goal this morning is to try to just encourage you mothers on Mother's Day and kind of stay with the theme of Mother's Day um, for the sermon, but um, the, world is, the world is attacking uh, this role in many ways, the role of being a mom. And the role of being a dad is being attacked too, but it's, it's being attacked in so, many, in so many different ways. And it's hard, it's hard, and I, I'm, I'm not going to speak this morning from experience, obviously. Um, I'm going to speak this morning just from some biblical truths that God has shown me this week in my study time. But it's challenging the... the it's challenging to stand firm in the midst of all of these attacks. It's not only challenging to stand firm in the midst of all of these attacks, it's so vital that you do. Um, moms, it's so vital that you stand true in the midst of all these attacks because the next generation is depending on it. Um, in so many ways, the women movement has undermined and, and annihilated and destroyed what a real biblical woman looks like. And the next generation has very few examples of what it looks like to be a real woman, in God's eyes, a real woman. And what they need is they need a church body that's full of women that give them that. It's a full of ladies who know what it means to be a biblical lady. And um, in spite of the things that they're being attacked with every day. So, so thank you, mothers. Thank you for serving the Lord so well. Thank you for serving your families so well, and thank you for serving the church so well. We, we really do appreciate it, and I hope to be able to be a blessing to you this morning from this passage of Scripture. So 1 Timothy, um, 1 Timothy, 1 Peter, chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter number 3. We're going to stay with the theme of Mother's Day, and also we're going to stick with the theme of I don't think that means what you think it means. This is a series that we're going through, and we're just looking at some words in the Scriptures that are... Um, that because of the culture, they have lost their meaning. And we want to re, re-embrace, uh, redefine, or restore the original definition of these words so that when people read the Bible or look at life, they're able to see it from, from God's perspective. I mentioned this last week. It's, it's difficult nowadays to read the Bible and get the message that God is presenting to us because the words don't mean the same anymore as they did when it was written. If you look at a word in the Bible and it means something completely different because dictionary 2021 doesn't look like dictionary 1821, you have a whole new meaning. And there's a, there, there needs to be a restoration of what was the original meaning, what was the original purpose behind this being written. And then we embrace that and we, re, we recapture what God's view is of certain things. Specifically this morning, the, um, the term we're going to look at is value. Uh, the value, and we're going to re- relate it specifically to women because that's what First Peter 3 is, is dealing with and in the first six verses, and it goes on to deal with men as well. But it's dealing with the value of a woman. You, you may ask, why is this important? Why is it important to talk about this? And I mentioned it earlier, but because we live in a culture that defines a woman's value by things like their ability to be a man their ability to do what men do, 
their equality with men, their external, external beauty, and many other attributes that when you really get down to it, they actually demean a woman. They, they call them where we want to see women rise up and to, to, to uh, get to the top, and, they, and then they present ways to do that that are literally means by which women are depleted. And their very, their very purpose and their very um, significance is minimized by this movement that's called the women's movement that basically teaches that you, if you want to be the strongest woman, then be a man, which doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? And there's this battle for wanting to embrace something that is, is really going to ultimately be demeaning to you women. And I just want to give you some, some kingdom biblical help on where your value lies that will help you to resist the temptation to devalue your own role, to, to devalue your own significance because it is there. So kingdom women need to be reminded of God's system for valuing them. If women don't recapture God's value system, the world will redefine their value. And in redefining their value, the world will press them to pursue, find pleasure in, and fulfillment in things that don't add value to them. What, what I mean by that is, is that the, what the world does is redefines your value. And when the world define, redefines what is valuable to you as a woman, then that becomes what your pursuit is. It's natural to pursue things that are valuable, right? And if the world can redefine what your value is, then it will redefine what you pursue. And what we call valuable for, what the Bible calls valuable in regards to a, a woman is different than what the world calls valuable. It's, it's for lack of a better word, it's, it's antithetical to what the Bible calls valuable, a valuable woman, the, the value of a woman. And so if we don't recapture this, the world will redefine the value system of a woman, and then it will press them into being and pursuing and valuing and finding fulfillment in things that ultimately don't add value to them. And they think that, and our world is full of this, folks, they think that they're adding value to womanhood when, when in, at the end of the day, if you look at it, it's almost like, you know, let's look at where we're at as a culture in relation to how they view women, okay? And let's just look down the road about 100 yards, about 100 miles, about 10 years or 20 years, and what you're going to find is, is that womanhood is not going to be elevated, it's going to be, it's going to be lessened or, or, or um, demeaned. It's not growing in value today the way, that the, world is, the way that the world is defining womanhood. It's lessening in value. So we've got to get back to what does the Bible say about a woman's value? What does God think makes a woman valuable and significant? And I just want to share some things with you this morning, about five or six things that I hope to be helpful for you ladies, encouraging to you, just to, just to re... I just want you to think... I want you to rethink about um, where do you get your value from? And, uh, and, and, and the guys that are in here and the children that are in here, I think that you should also understand the, where your mother and your wife gets her value from and you should support and, and encourage that. So read with me, if you would, in uh, 1 Peter 3. The Bible says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even as some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word or without, um, without speech or conversation. They may be one without the word by the conduct of their wives. When they see you're respectable, they see you're respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or clothing you wear. But let your, let your adorning be... Let me go back a moment and make a comment. He says this. When you see... So, so he says, if you have a husband that's not a, a, a believer, a follower of Christ, he says that let that husband be one. Let that husband be brought to Christ by the, by the, um, by the respectfulness and the purity of the wife. And we'll unfold those words here in a few moments. 
But then it says this. It's, it's, it, it goes on almost describing how that looks. So it says that you're going to win your husband by your respectfulness, your respectful character, and your chaste or your purity. And then it says, don't put your attention on outward things. So if, if you're going to win your husband through your character, right? If you're going to win your husband through your character, then, don't, then, then, then it's, not, it's not important to put all of your attention on external things. And some versions even add a term, a word in here. It says, do not merely adorn yourself with external things. And that word merely, is a, it's, an, it's an addition. It's not in the original Greek. It's something that was added because the translators viewed it as it's not a bad thing for women to have some focus on their external things. Amen? Okay, I know, I know you ladies enjoy, you enjoy getting ready and looking nice, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. But what he's saying here is, is that that ought not to be the main focus of where you get your value from. If, if you're going to win your husband by your respectfulness and your purity, then, now remember this, if your goal is not, if your goal is not to win your husband, in this, in this case, then it doesn't matter. But if your goal is to win your husband, then, he says, and, and, and let me say it this way, it's not just your goal, your responsibility is not just the winning of your husband. Your goal and your responsibility, as well as my goal and my responsibility, is to win souls for Jesus, right? Whether or not you're a man or a woman, our responsibility is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're all called to, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not going to be, whether you're male or female, by putting on it's not going to be by putting on prettiness on the outside. It's going to be by being something proper on the inside. We aren't going to win people to Christ by external focuses. We're going to win people to Christ by internal focuses. It's by being the right person, presenting the right character to the world around us. That's how we're going to win people to Christ. And in this case, it's specifically mentioning it to a woman, but it's truly applicable to all of us. The work of God is not a work that is built on externals. It's a work that's built on internals. And if we don't get that, what we'll do is we'll make converts that we, that we, we convince them to, to put on some kind of an outward facade of Christianity that's nothing true, that's not true about them in their heart. And ultimately, one day they will stand before God and give an account, not for what's on the outside, but they'll give an account for what's on the inside. And what is on the inside is what really matters. So our Christianity must be the presentation of an internal change that manifests itself on the outside, not an external change with hope of changing the inside. So he says, if you're going to reach your husband by internal things, by internal character, then don't put your attention on external things. Don't pour your life into being beautiful on the outside. Pour your life into being beautiful on the inside. Now, if your, goal is to, if your goal is to reach your husband um, sexually, if your goal is to reach your husband physically, then maybe put all your attention on the outside. But if you have a, a, a spiritual goal in mind, then it changes things. It changes your perspective. It changes your pursuit. And it says, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, that hidden person of the heart, it means that mystery person, that, that inner person, the, per, the person that is the soul or the core of who you are. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with an imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And that's where I want to just, I want to press in on that phrase there. In God's sight, this this character, this beauty that is an internal beauty is very, very precious to God. And we'll unfold what that means here in a moment. I'm going to finish reading our text. So this, this internal beauty is so valuable to God, way over the external beauty. The external beauty is not insignificant in the world's perspective, but it's not significant in God's economy. In a spiritual economy, what's on the inside is what really matters. He says, um, for this is, how the, this is how holy women who hoped in God, 
used to, used, used, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. In, in other words, he gives the example of Sarah and Abraham and he just notes this, and I think this is an important note to make before we get into the unfolding of the text. He notes Sarah is a person who, who exemplifies this, but you'll notice that Sarah's goal is to, is she is somebody who is holy. It means that she's, she is dedicated to holy things. She is dedicated to a certain lifestyle that is sacred. This is very important to this whole picture. You don't, you don't get there without having a sacred focus. You don't get there without a, having a focus on holiness. If you have a focus that the world presents of, of, of power and success and those types of things, then you're not going to get here. You're going to stay a far cry from here. But if you, like Sarah, are one of those people who says... I'm holy, I'm, I'm devoted to the sacred. And then he says, and then it says about her that she hoped in God. In, in other words, she, her, all of her expectations, all of her hopes, everything came from, from God. She saw it all as a gift from him. So this is, this, is what, this is what our text says here. And again, I want to press in on, these, um, on this phrase or these terms in regards to that this is very, very valuable to God. So let's look at about five things. Number one is your value is not determined by the following. Ladies, your value is not determined by the following. It's not determined by your ability to be, to act like, or to do, or to be equal with men. Your value is not built around that. And the world will tell you that. The world will tell you the more that you can do that is equal to men, the more equality you have with man, the more, the more value that you have. This is not a biblical reality. This is not biblical truth. It's not, your value is not ba- based upon your ability to pull up your boots, bootstraps and become independent. Your, your value is not based upon your ability to fight for your, for your rights. The reality is, is that a woman who is seeking this eternal value understands that it is antithetical to fighting for your rights to have the value system that's presented to us in 1 Peter chapter number 3. Let me give you some quotes from some women movements. And these things might just, you might have heard these things or they might, they might ring as... Um, things that you understand the culture to be presenting. These are quotes from some women movement leaders. I'm not going to give you their names because I don't know their names. I just wrote out the quotes and you can look them up later. But just give you, give you an idea of what's being said. Uh, one said, I design my life and I make my own story. Another said, there is no force more powerful than a, worm, than a woman determined to rise. There is no force more powerful than a woman determined to rise. Another said, she is happy. She is living for herself and is enjoying her own company. They call it loneliness. She knows that it is freedom. It's what the world teaches is a powerful woman. Another lady says, There is nothing stronger than a broken woman who has rebuilt herself. And then lastly, she overcame everything that was meant to destroy her. You notice in in these statements, you see this, this, this mindset of this independence this mindset of not having a, a connectedness or having value in being connected to things, which is why God created things in, in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, which is the very purpose of creating the family in those passages. These carry with it the idea of us being completely independent, carrying our own load, fixing our own problems. All of these things are, are really antithetical to the biblical understanding of what uh, a woman's value, where a woman's value comes from. These quotes do not define a biblical woman. They define a worldly woman. 
The Bible says in Philippians 2 and verse 6, this is one of the great passages of Scripture of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who, a woman, in her role as a wife and mother, is representation of Christ. The Word says this about Christ. He says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count, it, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped for. So Jesus was in the form of God. We know that Jesus was God in a human, in, in a human form. He was God in flesh, but yet he did not see grasping for that equality. He did not see pursuing that equality. He did not pursue that equality with all of his might so that he could have that which was, quote-unquote, rightfully his. These are, these are not ways in which women are going to gain greater value. These are ways in which they're going to become lesser in value. Let me give you some things about the value of a woman from our text. Your value is not built upon the things that I just said, but your value is defined by the following. Two terms that are used in our text to describe the value of a godly woman. Number one is it's defined as imperishable. The Bible says back in our text, it says, um, he says, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with, an, with the imperishable, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now that's an interesting word to be used in regards to a, a woman's beauty, an internal or beauty of any kind, because imperishable means something that's, that's not corruptible. It's, uh, it cannot decay. It's, it's immortal in nature. It's untouchable. This type of beauty that is an internal beauty cannot be impacted by what the world thinks about you. It cannot be impacted by what the culture thinks about you. This type of beauty is an untouchable beauty. And the Bible uses a similar term in Matthew 6 when it talks about the perishableness or the imperishableness of, of heavenly treasures. When you put your heavenly treasures, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust doth can corrupt. In other words, treasures that you lay up in heaven are incorruptible, meaning that they cannot be, cannot be touched. No robber can come in and steal them. No uh, water can come in and, and, and cause them to become rusted. None of these things can touch something that is incorruptible. And the Bible describes this beauty that a woman has that's on the inside of them. It doesn't describe the same beauty for a, for a man. It just describes it for a woman. This is a, this is a special piece of your value, ladies. There is, a, there is a value within you, the Bible says, that is incorruptible, meaning that it cannot be touched. It cannot be hindered. It cannot be, cannot be tarnished by the things of this world. Like heavenly treasures cannot be touched by moth or rust, your value, your beauty that is on the inside, that's based upon the character that God has given you in creation and in salvation, that is uncorruptible. The devil knows that he cannot corrupt the beauty that, he has, that God has given you. So what he does is he gets you to pay attention to or focus on other beauties that are corruptible. If the devil can get you to focus on what is corruptible, then he wins because he can corrupt it. But ladies, if you can focus on that which is incorruptible, that the devil himself cannot touch, which is the internal beauty that God gives you. He says it's imperishable. It's interesting, again, to use this word because 1 Peter 1.23 uses this word to describe the word of God. To describe the word of God and make the connection by using the same term to describe the internal beauty of a woman. He says in 1 Peter 1.23, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The Bible describes, God describes the beauty, the ladies, that you have on the inside Side by side with the beauty of God's word. Side by side with the beauty of heavenly treasures. God describes your internal beauty 
as, as being in harmony with the beauty of God's word. It's interesting because it's not just that it's not just that it's beautiful in that it is compared to the word of God, but it's beautiful in that it produces similar result to the word of God. And we'll look at that here in a few moments. He says that the beauty that is inside of a woman is, is imperishable. It cannot be touched or hindered by, by man, by the opinions of man, by, by politics. It cannot be touched by the world system. That, that character that's, within, that's inside of you is beautiful and it is untouchable. And then he uses another term in our verse, in verse 4. He says, this is very precious in the sight of God. And this term is also very unique, only used three times in the New Testament. It means something that is of high price. Something that is of significant price, excelling everything else. Matter of fact, the, the term literally means if you were to take anything else and put a value on it, the value of the heart of a woman, the character of a woman, the integrity of a woman exceeds it. So anything, you put a value on anything and, and you try to value the character and the heart of a woman and you will not be able to come up with a proper value for it. It exceeds. It's like um, Philippians 4 where the Bible says that there's a peace that God gives that passes all understanding, right? It, it means that when you try to understand the peace that God gives, you'll always find that there's more to it. When you try to find out the value of a woman based upon the internal character that's there, you will find that there's always more to it. That it's more valuable than you and I can imagine or describe. It is extremely expensive. Extremely expensive. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, he that finds a wife finds a good thing, right? You know why? It's because of that internal value that they bring, that they have. And don't let the devil destroy them by causing them to focus on the external embrace the fact that their beauty is internal. Yes, it comes out on the outside, and I, I believe in my heart, and I love my wife. She's beautiful on the outside, but, but she's more beautiful on the inside. And the beauty that she has on the outside is going to affect far less people than the beauty that she has on the inside. It's not going to affect as many people. She has, she has five children, and she can infect them by teaching them how to do their hair properly, and I think that those things can be valuable or she can really press in and say, I want to make them into the women that God wants them to be. And do you know where that's at? It's not on the outside. It's on the inside. So their value, their, their value that is exceeding, it's excelling anything that you can imagine. Let me read these verses to you. Mark 14, 3 uses this term and it says, And while they were at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came to him with an alabaster flax, of ointment, of pure nard, very costly. And this word is, this is the, the term there. It means exceedingly costly. And she broke the flask and poured it on his feet. First Peter 2.9 says this uses the same term. Like, likewise, also women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with mo modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire or exceedingly costly attire. So the word of God defines a woman's beauty and a woman's value based upon what's inside. And it defines it based upon these two terms, that it is exceedingly valuable and it is untouchable. It is unquenchable. Number three, I want you to think about this with me, ladies. Your value is established by the one valuing you. What, is, what makes this verse so significant? Just think about it with me for a moment. It says that God, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, the one who put the universe into place, and the one who holds the universe in place today, the one who gives life and sustains life, the most important being in the universe, greater than any king, greater than any president, greater than, any, than, any, than anybody in the world that ever has existed or ever will exist. This is God. This is the God who has, 
who has put everything in place. And this is the one who is saying these words, ladies. This is the one who is making mention of you in this moment. And he says, to me, you are of great value. I mean, those words cannot be overlooked We can be valuable to a lot of things that are just common in life. We can be valuable to our husbands and valuable to our children, valuable to our families and our friends. We can be valuable to our bosses, valuable to our employment, valuable to our... um, to whatever career field we choose to go into. We can be valuable to a, a study of things. We can be valuable in a lot of ways. As a matter of fact, you become more valuable the more significant your boss is. You might be working for the President of the United States or uh, some great uh, leader and might see your value as being greater based upon the value of your leader. Listen, there is no one more valuable and significant than God. And if God says that you're valuable... If God says that you're important, if God says that your value cannot be measured with a price, if God said, ladies, that your value cannot be touched by the system of this world, if God says that, then mark it down. It is true. It is true. God's valuing of you maximizes your value. His significance and his valuing you Sets your value. It's nice to be valued by people, but there isn't anyone who can value you that's more significant than God. And what does he say here? He says, you're very precious in my sight. You're exceedingly precious in my sight. You're beyond precious in my sight. Your value is not measurable in my sight. Your value is established by the one valuing you. I mentioned this already, but I'm going to go ahead and look at it a little bit further, maybe uh, unfold a little bit more. Your value is based on the internal, not the external. Value does not come from what from outward appearances. Remember this, external beauty is going to pass away with your age. You're not, this is something that goes away. It's meant to be temporary. It's not meant to be eternal. It's not meant to be forever. The value that you have that is internal only strengthens with age. If you focus on the internal value, it's going to become stronger over time, not weaker. If you focus on the external value, it's going to weaken over time and not get stronger. So what does the Lord say about this external value? He says, do not let it be your focus. He says, do not focus on a beautiful exterior. It says, do not focus on expensive clothes. Do not focus on nice jewelry. He, he really lists all of the things that a woman might do that has an external focus that wants, to, that wants to or does gain her value from the outside. And again, don't get me wrong. The beauty of the outside is not, is not something to be left undone. It's something to be there with a stronger focus on the beauty of the inside. The Lord says in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, speak, Samuel speaking in regards to anointing David as king, and it says, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, speaking of, of um, David's brothers. But the Lord sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the, on the heart. So if the devil can get us to focus on the externals, then he can win because he can corrupt the externals. You see this happening. You see this happening with movie stars and and models and people like that, is that as they get older, they become depressed and discouraged. Why? Because they can't uphold the beauty that is external. It's impossible to uphold that beauty. And they get less and less liked by the world that's using them for their own benefit because they're externally focused. We as God's people, God's children, are internally focused. And as we walk with that internal strength, as we get older, we don't become less strong. We become more strong. The beauty that we, that you ladies have doesn't become weakened by the outer man or the outer body decaying, which is natural. It becomes stronger. And guys, listen, you can promote that. You can promote it in your wives and you can promote it in your daughters. 
Yes, you focus on encouraging them for their outward beauty, but you know something? You should focus on their inward beauty, encouraging them for that. Because you don't want their value to come from the inside, from the outside. You want their value to come from the inside. This is what God says. Value comes from the inward person. It says the inward beauty of three things. It says respectfulness, purity, and four things, and a gentle and quiet spirit. Again, these things are not, these things are not being taught today in, in the culture. And Why should we expect them to be? Because the culture is not for us, it's against us. The culture is anti-Christian when it comes to doing the things the Bible's way. That makes sense, right? And it's not a surprise to us that the culture is going to be against what God's word says. And, and even when I say these things, there's, there's a part of me that's in the back of my mind saying, this is not politically correct, but that's okay. I'm not here to be politically correct. I'm here to tell you what God says in his word. And, and, and you have to make the decision of whether or not you embrace God's way of doing things or you embrace your way of doing things. But in the end, embracing God's way of doing things is going to be that much better. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Had to wake you up again. I love you guys. Respectful means just a woman of character. It's a woman of character. It's, a, it's an internal strength. It's a respectful person, a respectable person. Purity is somebody that's chaste, it's faithful and, and focused. Somebody that is chaste. It's not, it's not someone that's loose, but it's somebody that is, that is pure and focused. It, it literally means single-minded. Not scatterbrained, but single-minded, focused on, focused on their husband. Uh, Titus 2 talks about a woman that should be uh, in love with her husband and in love with her children and raising them up well. That should be the love of their life. We're not taught that today, are we? This is a focused woman. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's called to, and she's doing it to the best of her ability. She is single-minded. And you even look at the Proverbs 31 woman, and I know it's like, oh, that, we need to go there. It's like, I get it, I get it. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, an example that is an example of, of wisdom, of telling a boy what to look for in a wife. And it's unique. There's some uniquenesses there. But at the same time, this woman did what she did. She poured out her life, whether it be in economy, whether it be in caring. But she did it all for her love, for her family. You see it. You see it throughout Proverbs 31, woman. Repurity, then gentle. Gentle means meek and mild, humble and modest. This is a hard word to describe, and we don't, again, want to see this. We, this, word is not, um, this word is not politically correct. But listen to me, ladies, I, I don't want this word to offend you. This is a word that was used to describe Jesus. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am the same word as what he describes women here. I am gentle. It's not, it's not bad to be gentle. It's not bad to be Jesus-like. The world may not promote that. The world may not like that. But, but that's the, that is the right way. A meek and quiet and humble and, and modest. That's what this word means. He says, a meek and quiet spirit, this is this is." Great value to God. And, and quiet just means peaceable and, tra and tranquil. And not, not um, wanting to start fights and conflicts and things like that. Again, listen, the world is not going to tell you these things. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to give you another commercial about what the world thinks a woman should look like or be. I'm here to give you a version of what God says. What is highly valuable to him in his Wonderful creation of women, which is a wonderful creation. It's an internal beauty of character, respectful, pure, gentle, and quiet. It's an internal beauty of contentedness. A contented woman is beautiful on the inside. 
accepting what God has created, accepting who God has created you to be. It's not honoring to God when people want to be want to be men that are women. That's not honoring to God. That's saying God didn't know what he was doing when he created me. God knew exactly what he was doing. And when he created you, he created you specifically to be a woman. And if you're a man, he created you to be a man. And it is pleasing to God when you embrace that reality. And the Bible says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So even in the realm of what, of what God made me to be, I should give thanks for it. Accepting, it's beautiful to accept, to be contented with God, with what God made you to be. It's a beautiful to accept why God made you. It's beautiful to accept why God made you. Again, we can go back to the garden, and I know, I know people hate this, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say it anyway. It is God created Eve to be a help me to Adam. And that's just like doesn't sit well, does it? It's like, okay, now where's he going? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's God created Eve to be a help me to Adam. There's beauty in that. That is not, even if you're, even if for some reason you haven't, that hasn't been your path in life. Listen, don't forsake that which is beautiful in his creation because you haven't found that path. It's still beautiful to be a help me to your husband. Matter of fact, man, when you boil it down, at the end of the day, it was Adam and Eve's fall that destroyed that. The perfect state was Adam and Eve working in harmony together. And neither one of them complained about it until day, till after. That's what happens. The devil gets his hand in that junk and he messes things up, doesn't he? The devil always does this. Remember this. The devil never creates anything he just always destroys that which is created. God takes and makes things perfect and beautiful. And what does the devil do? Well, he's not a creator. He's a destroyer. So whatever God has created you for and to do, remember this, the devil's going to try to destroy it. That is why our world is in the condition that it's in. Accept, accepting, being contented with, with, with who God created you to be, being contented with why God made you, and being contented with what God made you to do, being contented with these things is beautiful. It's beautiful in both men and women. It's not one way, it's both of us deciding, of us accepting God's purposes for our life. Number, you guys know how I am with numbers. <laughs> Let's go here. Next to the last thought. Your value, ladies, is connected to your uniqueness. You see this throughout this flow. There is no interchangeableness in this flow of men can do this or women can do this. This is a woman's role. This is a woman's value. This is a woman's responsibility. This is a great responsibility. There is great, this text is about great accomplishments. In the midst of great turmoil, Peter is written during great turmoil, and these are, this is written to women about their great accomplishments during this great turmoil. This is not a minimizing of women, it is an exalting of women, a valuing of women. Your uniqueness is so important to your beauty. It's so important to your beauty. There's a lot of Unique people in our world, aren't there? There's a lot of unique people in our world. I, I see unique people. God creates unique people with, with even with, with different infirmities, doesn't he? You know, the, the, the most beautiful, just say this, this is an, this personal example. The most beautiful person you can ever, can ever meet is somebody that you see that has some type of infirmity. Maybe they're not able to walk. Maybe there's some infirmity about them and they have just embraced it. And I'm not saying that's the same thing with, with, with women because it's not, because there's no infirmity that a woman has like that. But what I'm saying is, is this, the beauty is, is embracing who God has made you to be. That's the beauty. That's what makes all of us beautiful. It's not when we're striving to be what we're not. It is to embracing who God has made us to be, why God has made us, and what God has made us for. That is the greatest beauty that we can have and can express. 
A woman's beauty, a man's beauty, all of our beauty is based upon our uniqueness. God created Eve, and he created her different. Do you guys agree with that? He created her different, and he did it on purpose. And he did it with a plan. He created her special. God created women to fulfill a unique part of God's plan. Not just did he create them unique, but he created them to fulfill a unique role. It's interesting, the first thing in the scriptures that says that wasn't good is the one thing that God solved by bringing women. And he introduced this glorious gift of a woman to Adam. It was an extraordinary day when God brought everything into good state. And who was the one that he brought in to bring everything into a good state? The one thing he said is not good. And who does he bring into the picture to make it good? He did, you ladies. Everything in the world is perfect, and there's one thing that's not good, and guess what he brings in to fix it? If that's not valuable, I don't know what is. The last thought this morning is your your value is directly associated with your eternal purpose. What you'll notice in this text is it's all about somebody getting saved. It's all about the gospel. It's all about this eternal purpose of God to bring the gospel into this world and that he has created things and structured things in such a way that his gospel can be best communicated to those around us. The gospel is best presented to a husband. Get this. The gospel is best presented to a husband through this kind of a wife. That's what it's saying. It doesn't say the gospel is best presented through a beautiful wife on the outside. It doesn't doesn't say the gospel is best presented to a husband through his buddies down the road. It says the gospel. What is this all about? It's all about the gospel. It's all about the eternal things. It's all that matters is eternal things. In reality, listen, in reality, men, women, and children, we're all alike if we put ourselves focused on the eternal things. Because you know what my job is? My job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and see people one to the Lord. You know what your job is? It's exactly the same thing. But God has structured things in such a way that men, get this, The best way to reach your wife is by loving her unconditionally. That's the best way to reach your wife. What's what's at the core of it? The gospel. The gospel is at the core of it. Children, the best way to reach your parents is by being obedient to them. What's at the core? It's the gospel. It's all of us, if we take our eyes off of the temporary and place our eyes onto the eternal, all of us have the same purpose in this world. All of us do. And what God has done in, his, in a beautiful thing is he has structured things in such a way that each piece of the puzzle fits together perfectly for the sake of the, for the, sake of the gospel. In the end, that's what matters. It's all about the, well, Pastor John, you just don't know what it's like. Gospel. You're here for the gospel. You're doing what you do because of the gospel. And that's where our value, your value comes from your eternal purpose. God has given you a purpose, and it is an eternal purpose. It's not built around what you do. It's built around why you do it. It's built upon what you're seeking to accomplish in your doing it. And we all have the same purposes in this. We all work for the glory of God. We all work for the salvation of souls. And we all work in the power of Christ. And this is why God has designed us. In closing, ladies, you are super valuable. You are super valuable. You are super important. There's no question to the value of the ladies of this church. There's no question to your value in your homes. There's no question in your value to your children. Matter of fact, the greatest way that you can reach your children is by being this type of lady. See, it's gospel. 
the, the, the interesting thing that God has in this text is not so that a husband can be happy. Do you know that? What the Lord is interested in this text is that a husband can be saved. What the Lord is interested in other texts when it deals with parents and children is not that those children can be happy. When the Lord says, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it's not so that they can be happy. Do you know why he says the things that he says? It's for them to be saved. God has structured everything so that the gospel can be central. And the devil has done all that he can to destroy it. Ladies, you are super important, not because the world values you. Rather, you are valued by God. The Lord of the universe has created all things, and he has created you and saved you for his glory. And you are beautiful and wonderful in his sight. He has created you and saved you, restoring you to your original beauty in Christ. He has restored a beauty that is internal, and it cannot be defined It cannot be understood, and it cannot be destroyed by this world. And may I add to that, it will never be liked by them. He created you with a a uniqueness that is beautiful. Your uniqueness was in your creation and also in your role of completing God's purposes with the gospel. Not only were you special in creation, but God saved you and gave you an eternal purpose. You are there to win people to Christ, beginning with your husband and your children. You are there to influence them for God's eternal purposes. Ladies, you are valuable to us. You are valuable to your family. You are valuable to the church of God. Don't lose your value by stooping to what the world wants you to stoop to. I want to close with this statement. Charles Spurgeon once said this, If God calls you to be a minister, don't stoop to being a king. You say, Pastor John, how does that, what does that matter? It's like, well, let me tell you the rest of the story. My comment this morning is simply this. If God has created you and called you to be a woman, don't stoop to be anything else. You're very, very valuable just like you are. Let's pray. Father, pray that you would help us this morning. Help us to be an encouragement, to be a help, to be a, um, take these truths, Lord, and, and, and know how significant and how important our wives are and our mothers are and um, how much of a role they play in, in our daily lives and especially in relation to eternal things. Help us not to forsake your truths, your value system, and the importance that you place on them. Please bless this day. Help them to have a wonderful day. And to uh, may we men and children treat them in a way that is uh, pleasing to you.